Friends, what matters is not just what we do, but how we do it. This is a principle of Catholic moral theology, right? Which is we can do the right thing, but we can do it for the wrong reasons. And we can do something good for someone precisely because it makes our, our, ourselves look good. Right? It gives other people a good impression. Right? We, give some, we get some kind of recognition or kickback from it. In some way, that kind of undermines the purpose right, of doing the right thing. You know, last weekend's gospel, Jesus reminded us of like the two essentials, which is love of God above all things and love loving our neighbor as ourselves. And those things are worth doing precisely because they're valuable in and of themselves. Right? They're meant to be pursued kind of self-interestedly, not in a self-interested manner. Right? Because they're the right thing to do, we're supposed to do them even when we don't feel like it. Or even when it doesn't give us some kind of reciprocity in return. This is true with love of God. God, actually, St. Thomas Aquinas, when he treats worship of God, he says, worshiping God is first a matter of justice. God deserves our worship for creating us and redeeming us. He deserves it. And we should do it whether we feel like it or not. Whether we get something out of it or not. Because God deserves our worship. And loving our neighbor is the same way. We should serve our neighbor not because necessarily we get something in return, not necessarily because we always like to do it, but because their need demands a response from me. When I privileged to go on different service trips and uh, days with our students, they'll, they can tell you that I'm obnoxiously using this one refrain, which is, this is not about you. This week of service is not about you. Because everything is so self-interested. Everything's about whether it makes whether the service makes me feel good. I think that is the dumbest thing ever. Okay, it might make you feel good to help other people, but it might not. A lot of service stinks. And that's not why we're supposed to do it. We're supposed to do it because there's a need that demands my response. It's, it's something valuable in and of itself. So to do things just to put on our resume or just to make ourselves look good. And so I insist that like, we don't take pictures on service events. It's like, no, we're not posting these. And we're fighting that temptation right, to make it about us. This isn't about us. And I think... We have this great temptation to vanity, right? And that's where I'm kind of wandering around. I'm going to get to the gospel here in a minute. Because uh, this gospel is not primarily about this. Right? The, the, the straightforward like, meaning of the gospel is clearly that uh, we're not supposed to give God sort of leftovers, um, that we give God our best. Right? This poor widow gives more than the rich people because she gives like what's more representative of her whole livelihood, whereas the rich just give the excess surplus, right? It's, it's about that. But there's a really interesting detail in Mark's version that is not in Luke's version, right? In Luke's version, it's, it's very clearly about the amount of money that's deposited in the treasury. But if you noticed in Mark's version, it says, Jesus sat down and watched how 
they put money in the treasury. That's really interesting. So you can just imagine, he's sitting in my chair up here, and he's watching the collection basket go around this church, which we're not using anymore. But, and he's watching how you put money in there. Not what, how. And you can just like play out the scene. Like you can imagine, like somebody's like, you know, got a hundred dollar bill, and they're kind of looking around, make sure everybody sees that they're they're unwrinkling it a little bit. You know, they want to make sure that maybe the neighbors see that they're putting that hundred in there. They're putting in more than you, you know. That's why I got rid of the collection basket. I didn't want you to be tempted to abandon it, you know. Because it's harder at the collection boxes. They're in the backs, you know, to see what's going on. Right? You can imagine what Jesus is watching. They're, they're strutting up like peacocks with their chest out, and they want everyone to see the, the, the large amounts and the large sums of money they're putting in the treasure. He's watching how they're doing it. Not just what they're doing. He's watching how they're doing it. Which reveals to me the great sin of vanity. Right? It's the sin, it's this inordinate obsession with what other people think of me. It's an inordinate obsession with what other people think of me. The inordinate word there is really important because a normal, healthy appreciation for what other people think of me is very important. Right? It's a normal part of human life. Uh, it's actually part of having good relationships, of knowing what, how I can uh, speak around certain people and right, a kind of awareness and sensitivity to that. Right, That's all normal. But vanity is a really specific obsession, inordinate obsession, with what other people think of me. Right, And this can be true of all sorts of life, aspects of life. It's really interesting that Jesus delivers this within the context of the critique of the scribes and Pharisees. So he's clearly talking about spiritual vanity, people that like to look holier than thou by the things they do. And to be honest, that list always kind of scares me. I don't know if you picked up on this. Similarities between his description of the scribes and Pharisees and me. Where he says... Uh, they wear long robes. <laughs> Got that? Uh, they sit in special places in the church, in the synagogue. There's this chair. They receive uh, greetings at the marketplace. I was at Kroger yesterday, and someone yelled, "Hey, Father!" from across the way. <laughs> they recite lengthy prayers. Many describe mass in that manner as a lengthy prayer. So that that description always kind of freaks me out. Uh, but he's critiquing their spiritual vanity, right? That they, they do a lot of these things, it seems, precisely so they appear, right, holy. So we can do this in all sorts of areas of life where we're doing the right thing, but we're doing it for the wrong reason. A couple of practical thoughts on how to fight vanity. It's a close cousin of pride, of course. It's a close relative of pride. Um, here's one thought um, somebody gave me a few years ago. They said, when I was definitely struggling with vanity, it's like, they said, try to do a couple things each week um, that no one will ever know about. Good things for people. Um, that no, no one will ever know about. They're, it's completely anonymous, and you don't tell a soul about it. Don't tell anyone, because we like to do good things and then run and tell people how good we are. Okay? We, we do it instinctively. It's, it's part of our fallen nature. Right? Do a couple things where no one can find out that you've done it, 
and you don't tell a soul. And I'll tell you what, it's harder than you think sometimes, especially if you're a little vain. It's like, that's really hard. I want to tell somebody, like, it's not good enough. If I didn't tell somebody how good I am, you know? And so that, I, I, my mom was here at Mass last night, and my mom, I, I told her I usually tell weird stories about her in my homily, so I wanted to give her a very great shout-out, uh, which is my mom is, like, amazing at this. My mom does anything for anyone and never asks for anything in return, right? She expects no reciprocity. She expects no kickback. She expects nothing. In fact, we always tell her, you should expect something. Like, you're getting walked all over because you're so generous without strings attached. But we're like, attached to strings, would you, Mom? You know, like, like, but she has this incredibly generous heart that just doesn't even consider what it's going to do for her. Um, and, right, I wanted to praise her for that because I, uh, I still struggle with that much more than, than she does. Um, and so, like, trying to do some things that are just totally anonymous um, and not to tell people, that really, I think, tempers uh, our vanity. Uh, the other thing I'd say is, like, um, to try and find ways to actually downplay your gifts and highlight your flaws. And I only give this counsel to people that are pretty confident about themselves. I would not ever give that counsel passively to somebody that struggles with low self-esteem, for example. Because right? sometimes I think people can confuse insecurity and vanity, right? So somebody that struggles with deep insecurity and low self-esteem, I would not give this advice to. Right? They, in fact, need to actually often uh, uh, not downplay their gifts, but, but to be confident about their gifts, right? To develop that kind of self-confidence. Um, but for somebody that has a good amount of self-confidence, find intentional ways to downplay your gifts and highlight your, your weaknesses. And this is actually really hard. We go into a new situation, we meet somebody else, we immediately start telling them how great we are. Uh, Jim, uh, Jim Gaffigan is one of my favorite comedians, and he has this great piece of one-upping everyone. And he tells a story of the dinner, like, and they're all meeting each other for the first time. And everybody goes around and tries to one-up the next person by telling a crazier story. And he contemplates how great it would be to just be Neil Armstrong at one of these tables, right? Or some, like, you know, like, so, the, I think he amended it to say, like, the Navy SEAL that shot Osama bin Laden. It's like, wouldn't you like a story that could never be one up, right? That just, it just ends the discussion, right? But he's, he's drawing on this, like, we have this desire to too quickly tell people the great contributions we can make to the situation. And there's a great wisdom, I think, in uh, purposely downplaying that at times, highlighting our flaws, letting things take a natural course. Right? Jesus says this when he says, when you get to a banquet, take the lowest seat. And if you happen to get invited to the higher seat, that's a great thing. I see that in terms sometimes of downplaying our gifts and highlighting our flaws. And then we just let the Holy Spirit and let other things uh, take over in terms of of getting us to where we actually need to be instead of asserting ourselves uh, in that from, from the beginning. There are times to sell yourself, right? And I, I want to be careful with this. Like, like students, like, don't downplay your gifts on a resume, you know? Or in a job interview, uh, that is not what I'm suggesting. Those are specific places where you have to sell yourself, okay? Um, 
But in general, right, we could probably do a better job of, of keeping, fighting our urge to, to vanity uh, in those uh, kinds of situations. So um, I, I've made a whole homily out of this one Greek word, uh, how. Jesus watching how they put money into the treasury, not just what they, they do. But I think that's important for us to think about. Like we can do the right things, but we can be doing it for all the wrong reasons. And while the right thing we do actually does help us, help the world, like the money that they put into the treasury, even if they did it with vanity, produces good effects in the world, good fruit, it actually hurts them on a moral level in terms of their own moral development. Because every time we do something right for the wrong reason, we reinforce within ourselves that I'm supposed to do this for the kickback. I'm supposed to do this for the impression it makes on others. I'm supposed to do this for the fact that I get something back in return. Every time we give and do something in order for the kickback, we reinforce that. Even though the good that we bring into the world by our giving is, is legitimate, it reinforces within us a bad habit, uh, which is that I give in order to receive. We've got to start giving to the right things because they're the right things. Right? Doing things for people because it's valuable in and of itself, not because it necessarily gains me some kickback. Ultimately, of course, love of God and love of neighbor does fulfill us as human beings and prepares us to be fit for heaven. Um, but we don't always feel that in the moment. We don't always want to do that in the moment. We have to be honest about that. So let's let uh, Jesus, who is not seated in the treasury, but is seated at the right hand of the Father, and who does look down at us and sees not just what we do, but how we do it. Let's imagine him watching us, and let's strive in our own lives by the grace of this sacrament that we can fight the temptation to have this inordinate obsession, this vain obsession, with what other people think and strive to do the right thing, to love God and neighbor precisely because God and neighbor deserve uh, to be loved and served. Because what matters is not just what we 